Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm the host, Brian Maddox. Uh, with me today is Philip Hill from PureBid Marketing. Welcome, Philip. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Oh, happy to have you. So um, if you could tell the, the crew here that's listening a little bit more about uh, kind of where you came from, what you're up to, uh, that'll give us a little bit of context for us to continue. Yeah, so I'm the founder and CEO of PureBred Marketing. Uh, we focus on helping direct-to-consumer brands uh, grow through their most profitable revenue channels, which tend to be SEO, affiliate marketing, uh, and email, email and SMS. Um, whole, I have a very um, uh, atypical background and I guess just kind of an entrepreneurial journey, um, but this is where all of that's kind of taken me in, in what we're doing now and what our main, main core focus is. You work with DD, uh, direct consumer brands, DTC, right? That's um, uh, a space where the marketing gets a little bit different. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's different than, uh, let's say, something like B2B? Yeah, I mean, I would say D2C versus B2B, the biggest difference is there's no true sales process. The marketing is your sales process in direct consumer. Nobody, like potential customers aren't talking to a sales rep. Most of the time, they're not getting even any like customer service that answers questions along the way. And so it's really understanding that entire customer journey from how do they find you, but just finding you isn't enough. It's how do you inform them? How do you educate them? How do you get some emotional responses followed by rational, um, by rationale that helps make purchasing decisions all while on your website? Um, and so it's really encompassing that entire consumer journey that is ever evolving and ever changing um, where the B2B space, I, it's definitely not simple, but there's more, um, it's broken up into more specific steps. So it's how do we get in front of this customer? How do we engage them? Really, how do we create a conversation? And once you get the conversation, then your sales process should take them, you know, through that, the rest of that journey to get them to buy where we don't have that opportunity. We don't get to build rapport and like we don't have, you know, these I can sit here and on a sales call, ask people, you know, personal questions and ask them about their kids and their pets and their background and, you know, the sports teams they like and all that. There is none of that. It's get to the point. Tell us what you have. Why should we buy it? Make an offer and get them to purchase. Um, so it's it's fairly complicated for a lot of different reasons. But that's, you know, from like a very high level. That's what really complicates things is we have to take this entire journey digitally and understand not just where have they been, like where they are now, but where have they been? So where is where are they in the education process? How much do they know about your products? Do you need to build trust or do you need to build, you know, awareness around features and things more? And so understanding how, you know, that whole journey to get them down to the different touch points aren't just touch points with the brand. It's where are they in that journey to understand what type of touch points they need to help them pull the trigger. Um, you know, it's, it's funny too, of you asking the difference here. So, um, I always say if I were to go back to start an agency, like I'm an accidental agency owner off having e-commerce stores in the past. And so this is what made sense of like building out. I knew what I was doing from a direct consumer standpoint for our own brands and, you know, the team we had around that, let's just offer that to other people. Cause we kept having people reaching out, like what in the world are you doing and how are you having success with those brands and the marketing channels? If I were just to plan to build an agency, I would build a B2B agency if I were to start over again, because what we do is vastly different. And as we're talking about here, then the whole D2C uh, or then B2B marketing, B2B sales. Like, so if you just do like what we do for ourselves, it 
doesn't really relate very closely to all the expertise we have and what we do for our clients. So we have to really have both areas of expertise dialed in where B2B agencies, it's like, hey, what we do really well for our clients and where we have all this expertise is how we're going to grow as well. So it's pretty, pretty funny in retrospect. So, but it, but it, it, it's interesting because I think the, um, the work from the direct consumer marketing conversation can certainly inform the B2B conversation. As you talk about moving to things like productized service, where you try and reduce the relationship development sort of cycle time and the costs involved in the B2B sales cycle. Uh, I think the, there, there's some insights, again, from that direct-to-consumer space that can be brought in. But but you've, you, you raised some interesting things that I think uh, any business owner is going to struggle with, and that is how do you move somebody along the journey from um, you know, mildly interested through to, you know, I've put my credit card into the machine. Um, that, you know, what level of information and, and, and kind of that landscape and what that looks like, um, it, it indicated to me that, you know, from, from your response, that there is some insight there that you have. Um, so I want to get a little bit more drilled down into that. So, so what, are, what are like the stages of customer awareness and how do you know they move from one to the next? So that's a great question. Um, to answer the second part of that question, how you know they move from one to next is you have to have um, pieces of your funnel that are triggered based on previous interaction. So you're triggering, you know they're only getting this if they saw this, if they watched X amount of this, if they landed on this, this page. But so when you really start at the top, uh, and this is something we have to educate all our, like this whole journey, we have to educate our customers on because they think like, we got in front of this many people and only this many people bought. I'm like, this everybody only saw it one time. I'm like, what do you expect you know, yeah, to get right. from that? That's the behavior in the world we live in today. And there's a stat that was always out there for marketing a number. It was seven touch points that you need with the brand. Somebody sees your product, sees your brand. They like what you have. They want to buy it, but they need another six touch points before they make a decision to buy. And now we're getting sold to so much with social platforms that their ads in front of us all day, every day. That number of new data is showing it's like 12 or 13, which is a lot. But it's not just they see your logo over and over. They see a banner ad that you know takes them around. It's at first, it's brand awareness of they even like your brand's just getting on their radar. They now see your brand. When they see it again, there may be some recognition. They know a little bit about what you have to offer, you know, maybe the industry you're in and kind of roughly what your products are. From there, you want to get them interested in something specific. So it's get the awareness. Now let's get them in and see what they're interested in. So maybe you have, you know, five different collections or 50 different collections. It's all different things. It's somebody just because you sell, um, shoes doesn't mean somebody needs shoes right now they might be looking for sweatshirts or that you know it's just a big it's a big range and you want to see what they're interested in to know what you need to put in front of them for those touch points because if we're selling sweatshirts and you get your touch those 12 or 13 touch points of shoes doesn't matter right so now let's see what their what that consumer behavior is to know what we want to trigger as follow-up responses there um and so from there, then it's, okay, now they've seen your product, you know what they're doing, you know those interactions that they're taking out of their own regard. So now I'm choosing to look at whatever this might be. Now we need more follow-ups. Now we show them the features. Now we can show, uh, there may be things like affiliate marketing, like brand versus brand reviews, where they're considering you versus your competitor, that we want to show you know why they should buy your product versus the others and, and really what those value props are. And then once you move past that, like a lot of this process is building trust. So it's what are your guarantees? What's your return policy? 
um, testimonials, reviews, uh, all of those things. It's building, you know, that social proof and, and trust that gets people to the point of pulling the trigger because there's a but you can go online right now and you can find a million places that have products that you want, but you won't actually get that product because they're scams. Right. And so all of the, that, along with, you know, drop shipping from China, you think it's going to be here next week. It gets here two months from now. And it's just a you know piece of crap of whatever you order. It's just doesn't meet expectations. And so a lot of the consumer journey that's gotten longer, it's one, it's really easy to shop as a consumer now. Right. You have it just at your fingertips, anything that you want. Um, but there's also like people understand marketing is what makes it's what drives sales initially. Now, people build, you know, to get repeat purchases and increase that lifetime value. Like you have to have good operations. You have to have a great product first and foremost, but you have to have good operations where they get their product on time, good fulfillment, shipping, all that nailed down, customer service nailed down. Um, but to get those first purchases, like in a lot of these drop shippers, they just rotate through their products. So you get all these first, first time purchases, everybody gets in. It's like, this isn't what I expected. By that time, they've already moved on to, you know, three other products that are completely different. Um, and so if you're building a real brand, um, you have to make sure that you check the box of all of these things we're talking about of what are the make So basically taking you through a sequence, this is like very simply simplistic of how we approach a website and a web page to get them to buy. And this is similar to the consumer journey that we do offsite as well. So when they land on your page, you want them to know exactly what you have to offer them. So they know they're in the right place. Following that, you really want to hit their pain points, like get them emotionally involved. Like what are they missing out on if they buy from somebody else, if they don't buy at all? Or what are the pain points they're dealing with that your problem solves? Following that, you want to tell them like, great, we have a solution for you. We're going to show you exactly what our solution is that solves those problems for you. Um, and then from there, we're moving into more features, value props. Um, and, and then from there, it's just social proof. So you're moving them through. They know what you offer. They know what they're missing out on, get some emotionally, you know, emotional response there. Then you give them, you know, your value props that make, they can help make a rational decision that this is a solution that can solve those problems. Um, give them some social proof so they know they can trust you. And that's kind of pushed you through, um, you know, all of those things that you need to hit. Now, there are a lot of other touch points that you'll need to get following that first time there, but they all kind of follow that same process, even off, off site. Matt, so, Matt, so sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. kind of just processing because that's a it's a it's a lot. How um, for your own firm, how are you dialing in that those B two C or, or, or direct consumer learnings into your B two B marketing approach? You said um, you know er, a little bit earlier, like oh well, I've got this. If I could do it again, I would make it more aligned. I get that. Um, but, but there's gotta be some, some overlap there. So tell us where that overlap is. So for the guys that are out there doing B2B going, what can I, what can I pick up from this episode? Yeah. So there's, there's definitely overlap. Um, the psychology is similar. It's just coming to like, what are the goals? If you just have to get a lead, like people are busy, people don't want to give up their time if they're not really sure what that conversation is going to be about, but they're not putting any money forward just getting that lead where direct consumers driving all the way through to them making a sale. However, on the flip side, it's far more expensive. Somebody's going to spend, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to work with us as opposed to buying a $50 product online. One of the biggest crossovers that, that we see is SEO. And the reason being, and, and really SEO more so than even Google ads, 
Because in our space, everybody knows how to run Google Ads. Everybody's good at running Google Ads. And everybody's customers are worth a lot of money. And so our cost per clicks are insane. It's like, you know, $25 to $50 for most of the terms we want to bid on. Um, SEO is, you know, free. Like we're very, very good at SEO. What we have dialed in from a direct consumer standpoint, other than our collections pages, product pages, we basically view our service pages is what they have for, you know, collections of product pages. And then outside of that, it's just content. The way you build links is similar. Like all these things are, the, the approach to SEO is very similar to both. Now, what I would say is SEO for B2B is way easier than it is for e-com because e-commerce has some, uh, like a lot of the e-commerce platforms like Shopify, they have some technical things that you have to know how to work through for certain themes that aren't great for SEO. The average SEO that doesn't focus on e-commerce sites, they don't know to go fix those or they don't know how to fix those. It's not super straightforward. Um, and also understanding how to get conversions on a product page, which is all that matters. We can get all the traffic in the world. If that traffic doesn't convert, who cares, right? So if we get people to a product page, how do you know, like you have to know what best practices are to get people to convert while still getting traffic to that page from SEO. So how do you do your, you know, your titles? How do you set those up for your product titles? If, it, if you have product titles that have nothing to do with like descriptors of that product, you have to know some roundabout ways to be able to have your H1s and your title tags, all these things to tell Google what your page is about without it including that title. Uh, and there's a lot, of, a lot of other things that go into that. However, where we see the similarities are, it, it's the intent behind search. So when somebody types in, um, somebody types in digital marketing agency in Atlanta, we're on the first page of Google. People are not just browsing for agencies. What like most people that are searching for a service and something, some descriptor, e-commerce marketing agency, marketing agency, Atlanta, SEO company, Atlanta, affiliate marketing agency, like all these types of terms, people are looking for an agency. They're not just like to work with. They're not just having fun browsing sites, right? And it's the same thing as we'll go back to the shoes. Like if somebody's looking for um, brown leather boots and you rank on the first page of for brown leather boots, these people have buying intent to buy, to find brown leather boots that they like to buy, um, as opposed to something like interruptive advertising with like um, TV or social, something like that. You're going out now, getting in front of an audience that may or may not be interested in what you are offering. Most of them probably aren't. From there, you're now having to educate them on what you have to get them interested. From there, you now have to put, like you're pushing them down the funnel with all these different steps along the way where they're starting up here with responsive marketing and we're responding to a search, we're starting this far down the funnel. So it's, okay, they have what I'm looking, this site has what I'm looking for and what that searcher is looking for. So now we just really have to make sure that the that is the type of brown leather boots they have. And that might not be the best example because maybe you get more descriptive brown leather cowboy boots, brown leather lace-up boots, whatever that is, that now they have found what they're looking for. As long as they like what you have, it's a much shorter process to get them to, to purchase. And because they're already looking for what you have, there's not all this convincing to do. All the like convincing is really like, we're going to show you our process. And our sales process is also like very much a consultative sales process. We turn a lot of people away. We want to make sure that we're working with you know the right people. They're invested as us as we are with them. And that we can make sure that, you know, what we're doing is going to is going to bring success um, to them. But so when we see that the leads we get from SEO versus anything else that we do, any of our other marketing channels, convert significantly higher in the sales process, 
And it's because those people are going to hire somebody for what they're, whatever it is that they're looking for. And we're one of the few options that, you know, they nail down to reach out to as opposed to like, Hey, you should be interested in this. And let me tell you why. And then having to rein them in. And that's, that is by far what I would say is the biggest similarity. Now there are things like email and like, sure. Email is probably your highest ROI driver for a D2C brand and a B2B brand, but the way you approach email, very, very different. Uh, and so sure the tactics the same, but the strategy there is, is not much the same at all. Um, so I would, I would say SEO is where you can really have a similar strategy and, and yield a lot of success, um, really kind of depending on across all of all industries, as long as there's enough search volume for, you know, what, what you offer for right. what people are looking for. So you, you, you said something there and I'm, uh, it got me thinking a little bit, um, which is, which is great, right. Cause I enjoy doing that. But, um, the right. thing that I was thinking about in, in this case was, um, when you start attacking your market, you know, or addressing your market with, um, with content, where you address them in the funnel starts to become a very interesting conversation, right? Because it seems like from your description, it makes a lot of sense to let your competitors and anybody else who's got a passive interest in doing so do the education. And you only want to capture, capture them at the buying, the, you know, the buying decision moment. Um, is there merit in sort of growing your own? The folks that come even earlier in the conversations, they're not looking for marketing companies in Atlanta. They're looking for how do I grow my small business instead? Like those conversations are different. Does that make sense for most businesses or is it, it better just to go straight for the straight for when they're ready to buy? Yeah, so it absolutely makes sense. Um, and that's a part of most all of our SEO strategies. So we break it down into kind of two components. So one is going to be your money pages. So for direct consumer brands, that's going to be your homepage, your collections, category pages, Shopify calls them collections, um, and your products pages. Uh, where for B2B businesses, it would be like homepage and service pages. Um, there may be some things past that, like if you have any sort of resources and tools and things like that as well. Uh, but those are going to convert really, really well. But if you only focus on those pages, you can only get so many so many rankings that yield so much traffic. And the reason for that is Google wants to see that every page you have is about a very specific topic. And so they know that whatever that search query is, is being responded about this to this very specific topic um, somebody's looking for. And so if you have five services you offer, so you have a homepage and five services, you have six pages that you're not just gonna rank for your primary keyword phrase. Like uh, Google's algorithm, has natural language processing all throughout it that it really understands what your pages are talking about. So they're going to be synonyms for that. Uh, you know, they rank as well. But once you get past those, like the only way to get more traffic is it's not to put more keywords in those pages. It's to create new pages. And so it's okay. We've got all these people that are the lowest hanging fruit that are looking for exactly what we do. How do we get in front of, let's go a step up. And how do we get in front of our target audience that doesn't quite know what they're looking for yet? Um, or maybe they roughly do and they're batting the idea around of what they're looking for, but they're trying to get some clarity. They're trying to get some education. They're trying to get some answers. And so now we come to up a level where there's just a plethora of content we can write about. So if we have a service page that's, so on the B2B side, we have a service page that's SEO. So it's SE, you know, SEO agency, e-commerce SEO agency, whatever those pages are. We'll pass that. Now they're going to be people that are searching um, should I hire an in-house SEO team or hire an agency? That's a great, now that's like just a half a step up. Like 
may be looking for an SEO agency is basically what that search query means, right? Right. Then a step past that is people that are um, how to how to rank my Shopify site or um, the best type of, of articles that drive product sales or like there's all of these questions that people are wondering, but they're probably if they're searching for those answers, they're they know SEO is important, but they don't know what to do. And so within that, we can now educate them. We'll give them the answer that they're looking for, but we're also going to educate them on might be more advantageous to have you know, an expert or have a team of experts that can do this for you. Here's some results that we've gotten for other people. Um, and so you can paint that picture of, here's your answer, but I'm going to paint the picture of what it looks like to work with somebody that knows not only this question you have, but this means you probably have a lot of other questions. And so then you can drive them through as well. And that's getting people into your funnel further up. The thing about SEO versus paid, um, well, two things. SEO versus paid it's, it's well worth creating a lot of that type of content when it's free. When you're having to pay for clicks to get traffic and eyeballs, now it comes down to how much are you having to pay and how much is your customer worth? As opposed to with SEO, like let's write all this content, let's promote it offsite, get them to rank. Once we kind of anchor them on the first page, like you should always be having, you know, increased traffic from these new, the new content you're putting out where once you get that anchored, you kind of leave it alone. And for years, you're getting traffic coming there as well as all these new pages you're creating. So, um, you know, the way I equate it to paid is like, if you're spending $10,000 to make $30,000, you have to make, you have to spend 20 to make 60 and you scale that up. Your ROAS is never going to be a three X return, right? It's going to diminish at some point. And that's about it. It's not going to increase the more you spend most of the time. Where with SEO, you might spend $5,000 now you're still spending five thousand dollars a month three years from now but we've put out more and more content every single month so for the past 36 months you've had however many pieces of content is that goes up that we're going back and updating and you know building links to and all these things that you're still spending the same amount of money but getting a stair step of rankings therefore traffic and therefore sales and so that's where instead of having that 3x uh and i'm not i'm not um Paid is extremely helpful and has its place, and most brands should run paid traffic as well. Depending source depends on what you're right. selling, all that. But I'm I'm not downing that it has its place. But over time, like we have clients that are making 50x on what we're making. Like we have a so we actually have a fair amount of clients that are outside of direct consumer for SEO because they just get referrals from other people we work with, and they're like, we don't care. SEO is the same. We know you can do a good job. Um, we have a, a $4 billion company that we work with. That's not, it's B2B company. Um, we make up 4% of their marketing budget. All we do is SEO. They spend a ton on paid, a ton on TV. We make up 4% of their marketing budget and we drive the new stat was like 39.7. So 40, 4% of their marketing budget, we drive 40% of their leads. Um, and it's because of how economical SEO is. It's just making it through that little gap in the beginning. Do you have the cash flow to make through a few months where you're not making anything back? And if you can withstand that, you're going to make exponentially more than almost every channel you have, basically every channel other than email. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, uh, now I want to throw a wrinkle into the conversation. Um, and, and so we've talked about um, the direct consumer. We talked a little bit about B2B, but it seems like the third wave here that we're, we're really looking at is the product-led growth kind of companies that don't quite fit the B2C and don't quite fit the B2B because it's, um, it's all hands-off, right? There's their, their sales process is different. Everything about that is different. Have you done any work in that space? And, and if so, how, do, how does that market space differ? 
So give me an example. Are we talking about like like SaaS businesses? Yep. SaaS businesses. Okay. So um, you go look at all the big SaaS companies and see how they get a ton of their traffic and where they've really grown and, and invested. Most all of them have put in a huge investment on SEO. Um, HubSpot, um, Simrush, like they have so much content, really, really high quality content. Um, that about anything you're looking for related to who their customers would be, um, you're going to show up. They're going to show up in the in the rankings. And the thing about those companies, one, like the valuations, that's a whole different conversation, but they get valued so insanely high that uh, they can just spend a ton of money up front. They're not even worried about profitability for a while. So it's like write as much content as you can. They also right. spend a bunch of money on paid up front. But once they have all those customers there, they built all this data or built all this um, content that they have this huge bank of content. Like think about how much money they make. Like they, for the most part, those models are build an MVP, dump a bunch of money to acquire customers because the customers is what whoever's buying you really wants. Once you have a product built, built, now there's no cost of goods other than like updating your digital product. Um, there's no shipping. There's no, like all these other costs that people have, there's no people providing a service other than like your, you know, your rep or whoever you have to talk to there. Um, that that's where SEO can be. I mean, really there's a, a, a ton of channels that work well. It's such a good business model for so many reasons. Um, but that having people where we're talking about being up here as opposed to on your money pages, that's where most of that focus is. Because a lot of this technology, people don't really, it's either innovative and people don't know it exists or a, like the whole type of technology exists. Um, and so people are looking to answers that you, this, your product or software has a solution for. And so it's really like problem aware content you're creating as opposed to people searching, um, like HubSpot falls in so many different things like CRM for small businesses, marketing automation for like they, you rank for a few of those things, but for the most part, it's like you have tons of solutions built into that, uh, built into your product that you can write content like kind of endlessly and get people there. And if you sell something, so like HubSpot, we don't use HubSpot anymore, but we did when we did I think the starter or maybe like the professional, which is like the middle uh, rung of the marketing hub, sales hub, each of them are like 800 something dollars a month. So think about month over month over month. Like you can spend a ton of money, and like we we're saying, let's create this content. We promote this content, and then you don't really have to do anything. And so when you're expecting, we're going to raise all this VC or all this capital, however we're raising it, going to go in the hole and come out. When you come out, you already have all of this content that ranks on the first page that gets traffic every single day because that's like evergreen type of traffic that you're going to get. Where day over day, it's going to be similar. Um, then it's really easy to forecast. It's really easy to run your financial models off of your sales, you know, um, like forecasting for sales and what else do you need to fill the leads? Your pipeline mm -hmm. stays relatively full from this because it's all pretty evergreen and consistent. Um, then those companies can make an absolute fortune from their, um, from their SEO efforts. That's awesome. And so just to clarify what you're Let talking about. One like, more thing to that, actually. Yeah, so think about you sell a, if you sell a $50 product or a $100 product that you can be pretty profitable on, but say it's a, um, a monitor, right? A computer monitor that's 150 bucks that maybe you're going to sell them 
with your retention marketing another time or two, um, you increase that to a few hundred bucks, call it for lifetime value of the customer. I'm spending the same amount of money on creating an article for them that's gonna indirectly, you know, it's gonna be whatever problem aware um, sort of content that needs to be created for that, push them through to make a few hundred bucks. Where for that SaaS company, they spend the same amount of money and resources on that article. It's now gonna drive them something that the lifetime value is gonna be thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so when you think about that, that's where it's like, okay, we can make huge ROI for, you know, selling lower price consumer products. Now think about when you get into somebody selling, you know, really higher end items, those high ticket items, like it's, it's a whole nother ball game from a so, return so, so it sounds like I've talked you out of running a, a marketing company that does direct to consumer. <laughs> <laughs> it still is extremely effective there, but there's just a lot of, uh, so most of our other services are specifically focused to D2C where what we do from an SEO standpoint, it's really the average SEO cannot perform as well as we do on an e-commerce specific site. They might think they can, but they don't know all the intricacies. And we see it time and time again when we get clients working with other generalist SEO agencies. It's not the same on the flip side. If we go work with a company that's a, we have a staffing company, a SaaS company, you know, all of these things, like it's, it's pretty easy. It's way more straightforward. So, so it's pretty easy for us. So I have a last question and, and we're running long here and I uh, apologize to our listeners, but this is, this is pretty valuable stuff. Um, so I want to make sure that I get this last question out. You, you keep using the word SEO, but I keep hearing content generation. What's the difference? So content is just a, a portion of your SEO strategy, right? So there's basically three buckets for SEO. You have your own page, so that's going to be relevance. What are the search engines seeing that this page is about and the keywords that should be ranked as a result of that? The next is technical SEO. So technical SEO is how easy is it for search engines to index and crawl your website? Is it technically friendly? Is it, um, it basically is the back end clean and easy for search engines to index and crawl? And that it's like a healthy site that they're comfortable sending users to. And then the last is, Offsite SEO. So offsite SEO, for the most part, there's more to it than this, but uh, from a high level, it's backlinks coming to your site and they basically view links as reviews. So like if there are a lot of uh, trusted, you know, high authoritative sites that are building links and in turn driving traffic to your site, it's showing, okay, this site site should be trusted uh, and they're clearly an authority in their space that other people want to drive traffic to that site. And so that in turn helps build your trust with them to increase that. Now you can have the best technical SEO in the world and the best offsite SEO in the world. But if your on page sucks, you're not going to rank well. And if your on page is good for your main site that you have, you're going to rank well for those terms. And then you're at a cap and you run out. So unless you're creating consistent content, if you're on, if you just completely leave out on page SEO as part of the strategy and make sure you have a clean site or building links, like you're not, there's no keywords to really be pushed up on, on Google, right? Google doesn't know what to rank. So they're like, okay, they get all these people sending links here, but like, we don't really know what this page is about because it seems all over the place. Um, but even if that is good and dialed in, okay, we rank on the first page for, you know, our core site, our core pages on our site. How do we get more rankings? Content is the only answer to that. And now gotcha. you can't just write content. There's a lot more that goes into it than that, but um, the way for you to consistently 
um, increase your rankings and your traffic over time from SEO is generating more and more content that is geared specifically towards, you know, ranking well. Like obviously it has to answer your user's question. It has to be good quality content, um, right. but it has to be strategically created for with SEO in mind. Gotcha. I want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, how can people get a hold of you? I mean, you've got some solid gold here in this episode, and I'm really stoked to get this in front of our, our listeners. But, um, when they want to learn more, uh, and clearly the well is is deeper than what we've covered here, um, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, our website is purebreadmarketing.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Philip Hill, uh, one L in Philip, uh, Instagram, the Philip Hill. Any of those ways are, are good options. Awesome. And the three biggest uh, kind of things you picked up on your journey? That I, I picked up on my journey? Yeah. Oh, man. Man, three things. Uh, um, one, you have to fully understand your consumer or your customer. So if we're going B2B, it's not you know exactly a consumer. Uh, you have to understand your customer, what their pain points are inside and out. You have to know uh, you think you have a solution, but what does that solution solve? So really understand your customer, what their pain points are and what they need. Um, the next, I think this is something recent that I have uh, shifted. I got asked this on a podcast a month or two ago. He said, what do you think is the most important piece of marketing? And I said, this is very new that I would say this. I think messaging is the most important part of driving um, driving behavior and you see all these click funnel sites and things like that. that are like terrible. They have no aesthetic appeal to them or anything, but it's all about really the first, uh, my first answer to this question on top of messaging cater to that specific person. Um, and then the third I would say is building a team. The right team is substantially more important than you trying to learn everything yourself, know everything yourself, be the best at anything, hire the best people, um, because that's the only way that you can scale and grow. And that's whether hiring, um, you know, outsource people, freelancers, agencies, and build an in-house team. Um, if you can pay more to hire better people, it will pay back exponentially on that investment of hiring somebody as opposed to either trying to do everything yourself or just trying to be be cheap and, and on a budget. Awesome. Philip, thank you so much for your time today. I uh, definitely want to see if we can't get you back on the episode here. This has been, uh, uh, you guys could could listen to this episode over and over again and still pick something up. So thank you so much for your contribution to our listeners and, and thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-A-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done-for-you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level.
Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.